say I want to express that now, that we so love you with all of our hearts. Uh, we really do. Um, <clears throat> there is nothing that, that in any position or uh, what anyone does is to no avail. Everybody, everybody is important in the house of the Lord, everybody. And we are thankful. And as we were sharing, as we were coming over the highway and uh, we were talking about leadership and uh, 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 Deacon, and I just had a senior moment, Norris, Deacon, talked about having uh, wonderful leadership under us and then how you don't have to work. Amen. Amen. All right, we're getting ready. Everything is set for the word of God. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 Morning, House of Destiny. Thank you, Jesus. Testing one, two, three. Audio, video, five, four, three, two, one. We're live. I want to thank everybody for coming out this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you right now, Father, for this glorious day that you have bestowed upon us. We ask, God, that you will continue to help us and guide us in the way that you would have us to go. Father, we know that your will and only your will is that which will get us through. So, Father, we just thank you today for giving us the mindset to come forth in you, Father, and do that which is appropriate, Father. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Let's go to the book of... uh, Exodus, the book of Exodus, will begin, that's going to be our main text today, the book of Exodus, the seventh chapter, and we're going to be starting at the eighth and the ninth verse, amen? But before we do that, I want you to go with me to... Hold your places there. I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah. Brenda brought forth a scripture and a word um, Wednesday night. And one of the scriptures stood out to me. I want us to go to the book of Isaiah, the 13th chapter, looking at verse... 11. Amen? Amen. Will you say amen when you get there? I want us to understand something here that God is saying. It's up on the board. Um, God says there in the book of Isaiah, the 13th chapter, verse 11. Put it up if you will, if you can. He says that he's going to punish the world. For the evil that is done. You see that? This is God speaking. He says, and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. That's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about being judged and punished, you know. They like to talk about the good side of God. Well, the way I see it, all sides of God are good. The way I see it. 
because we deal with a just and awesome God. But here's the deal. It depends on ourselves and the choices that we make as to which side of God we're going to be on, right? So we really can't blame God for punishment. It's all on us. The title of this message today is Every Opposition is an Opportunity. Every Opposition is an Opportunity. In this world today, we're faced with many oppositions all the time. Am I right about that? And usually what we do is we allow the unfavorable and the unsuitable situation to do what? To cause us to lower our expectations in life. Amen? Come on, y'all can talk to me. I want you to engage with me today because, see, I'm going to speak truth to you like I always do, but you need to get involved. You need to get involved. You need to stop sitting like a, a log on a, a, a frog on a log and get involved because if you don't learn to get involved, then God ain't going to get involved with you. If you want more from God, give him more. Stop faking the funk. You know, put your mind where it's supposed to be. See, see, everything now is a reinvention. Y'all might not like me today, but it don't make no difference. You know, God loved me because I'm his man today. You know, so I'm going to give you what he told me to give you. In every opposition, there's going to be an opportunity. But it all depends on how we look at the situation. You see, what we do is, when we run up against opposition, the first thing that we do is, we back up. But that's the time that God wants us, what God wants us to do is to look for the opportunity that he's trying to bring forth in us. For instance, let's take it to the top. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, there was this group of Israelites. They were about a million strong. And God wanted to deliver them because they'd been down in bondage for about 430 years, Acts says. And after that 430 years, you know, Moses, this guy named Moses, who went through a whole lot of opposition. This guy named Moses was given the task to go back to Egypt where he was born and bred and raised and educated in Pharaoh's house, and go before Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Now, Israel had been up against crude opposition for a very long time. And Moses had been up against crude opposition for a long time because he was chased out at 40 years of age, stayed 40 years in the land of Midian, got married, Met the real, true, and living God on the backside of the mountain. See, see, everybody want to be on Front Street. They think that's where God is. No, where, you know where you meet God at? On the backside of the mountain. That's where you meet God at when you're going through. That's why you say in every opposition, there's an opportunity. You see, you got to learn to meet God on the backside of life. You know, see, anybody can be up front for a little while. But see, God ain't always there, you know. God ain't always up front. Sometimes God want to catch us and see us and teach us on the backside of the mountain. In the time of opposition, what you going to do? So here's this fellow. He's 80 years old now because he doesn't been out there in the desert for 40 years through all types of opposition, but God was getting him ready. Somebody say, God is getting me ready. That's right. He's getting you ready to understand that opposition and in opposition, there's always going to be an opportunity. 
And we're going to have to start looking for the opportunities in life. Because what we've been doing is we've been selling ourselves short to the devil for too long. So what God wants us to do now, God wants to come forth and he wants to give a word to us, he says, because he's already told us that he's going to punish the world for the evil that it's doing. And he's going to punish the proud and the arrogance for the proudness and the arrogance of them. See, he's already said that. So here it is. The bigger the opposition, the greater the opportunity. Let me explain that to you. The opposition was very great, not only against Israel, but against the one that God sent to deliver Israel. God said himself, it's going to take a strong and a mighty hand to bring Israel out of Egypt. It's not going to be easy. See, it ain't an easy thing bringing us out of the world. See, it takes a mighty hand to do that. A lot of opposition. A lot of opposition, a lot of opposition, not only from your enemies, not only from yourself, but also from your loved ones. Opposition breeds opportunity. So here he is that this man, he goes back before Pharaoh, and like I said, great opposition. But in every opposition, the greater that opposition is, the greater the opportunity. Because the opportunity here was to bring a million strong out of bondage. That's pretty strong. But the opposition was great too. Very great. In order to get a great opportunity, you're going to have to go through some great opposition. You, you, you think it's lovely standing up here as Dr. Manley? You crazy. With the opposition that I've been through, me and Brenda. And as the front man getting shot, you know the front man wouldn't get shot all the time. By y'all. By y'all. Mm-hmm. The same one try to feed them, they'll try to kill too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm in your business. Mm-hmm. You've gotten a little bit better, but you ain't there yet. Somebody say, I ain't there yet. You've gotten a little bit better. That's progress. God say, I'm going to punish the world. Every opposition is an opportunity. Exodus 7. Let's look at these oppositions. Verse 8. Are we there? The Bible says in the book of Exodus 7th chapter, verse 8, verse 9, he said, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh... <laughs> See, he's talking to prophecy here. He already see what old Pharaoh feeding to do. He said, now, when Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, show a miracle for you. See? Mm-hmm. Ain't that just like the church? I ain't going to go no farther until I deal with that. Show a miracle for you. Show me a miracle for you. We always want to see something. But one of these days, we're going to see something that we don't want to see. It ought not be that we need to see a miracle for us to believe that God exists. To me, that's a fake that calls themselves a Christian. That's the way I feel about it. 
As far as I'm concerned, a miracle is for all those that don't believe. Because first of all, a miracle ain't a miracle to God. It's just a regular thing with him. So why we call it miracles? And when it's just a regular thing for God. If, if all things are possible with God, then that says it for me. You know? But here's this chunk talking about show me a miracle for who? You. In other words, I want to see what your God can do. See, that's the world. They want to see what our God can do. I saw a picture called Samson yesterday. Did y'all see that picture? You need to see it. Samson the madman. He will take your head from off your body. Samson's a madman. Good picture. But see, people always want to see something. So when they got to see Samson's strength, they really didn't like it. Because Samson bust heads. Big time. You see, what we ask from God, we need to be careful. Because he just might deliver it. And remember I told you, you got to learn to be bigger than yourself before you can be bigger than yourself. Because before God can enlarge your territory, you got to be equipped. So you want to jump in a Cadillac. Well, you better have Cadillac money. I'm just saying. Is that what you want? then you better be ready for it. In other words, you got to be prepared for that. Or guess what? They're going to come and get it. And you're going to look like a fool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling it like it is. I'm telling it, putting it on a level where you can understand that, that, that it costs to be the boss. Everybody want to be Walmart, but you don't want to go through what Walmart had to go through to be Walmart. So, so the word of God say, don't covet what your neighbor got. And he said, look at here. He said, show a miracle for you. Verse 9. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, this is God telling him now, telling him what to do. Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. A serpent is a whisperer. There's going to be some talking going on. Mm-hmm. Then it goes on down here. And in verse 13 it says, and look what he did. Now, when he went and he did what God told him to do, he went before Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. He throws his rod down. That's his power that God had extended to him. He throws it down, and he becomes serpent. He begins to say something. And then Pharaoh calls his magicians and his sorcerers. He called the world. The world soothsayers and all. He called them. And what does he do? They throw down their rod. And it becomes a serpent. But the voice of God through the serpent ate up that serpent. Swallowed it up, right? See, God's voice is more powerful than the devil. That's all I'm saying. But Pharaoh hardened his heart in verse 13. You see it there? And he hardened Pharaoh's heart. God did. That word hardened there means that 
he put opposition in his heart. He put some opposition in him, see. And that he would not hearken, not unto them. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't hear them, as the Lord had said. See, the Lord already knows what he was going to do. Because he, he knows that, see, in order to get us pulled completely out of the world, there's going to have to be some stages involved. And these things are going to have to be, they, they're going to escalate along the way. And see, the deeper you into sin, the harder it is to get out of it. Oh, yeah. See, now, 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 a lot of church folk ain't done nothing. They've been good at two shoes all their life. And it's easy for them to judge somebody else. But I'm talking, well, I'm talking to the real, low-down, nasty, street fellows and girls in here. We got any of them in here? I'm talking about hardcore, nasty, downtrodden. I'm talking about the real deal. You see, now what God got to do is, see, 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 God, he got to take us through them plagues. Until eventually, the light will come on and freedom will come. Will it not, Tom? Didn't come easy, did it? A lot of opposition, wasn't it? Was it not? Come on now. A lot of opposition. Am I right about it? Sometimes we wonder how we made it. But let me tell you something about the spirit of the living God. It's very elastic in us. It can stretch. Somebody say, stretch me, Lord. Because the more he stretch you, the more powerful you become. Because the more stronger you become. And the more you can take from being stretched. God ain't in your comfort zone. That's why God won't let us remain in our comfort zone. See, God is always progressive. He's always moving. We have a tendency as human beings, when things are going right, to stop moving. And God's still moving. So God can't leave us in our comfort zone long because if he does, we'll just wallow away and do nothing. And it sounds like church to me. They become so comfortable. Until hell is enlarging itself and coming up to meet us. As the Bible says. Coming up to meet you. So here it is in verse 20 of the same chapter, Exodus. We're just going on down through here because we got to go. And Moses and Aaron did so, the Lord had commanded. Mm -hmm. And as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod. And then what he did was he smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servant. And all the waters that were in the river was turned to blood. And, you know, it goes on to tell you about the fish dying and it's stinging. And then, don't you look at verse 22. Because that's what I don't understand about this fool. And you're going to see what I'm saying here in a minute. You know, Pharaoh's stupid as a mule. You know, you know the world. Do you believe the world had you stupid as a mule? Because the world is stupid. Notice what he do. It's already bad enough. Fish dying. Rivers turning blood. Hear this fool. And that's what he is a fool. Hear this fool. He calls his magician and tells them to compound the issue. They went and done something. Come on now, I want you to look at this. Now, you already messed up. 
River done turned to blood. Fish stinking. Can't nobody eat no fish or nothing. We're in a jam, right? Mm. But they ain't bad enough. Pharaoh calls his magician. And they compound the issue by messing up the rivers even better and killing the fish. Is that not a fool? I'm going to show you something about this idiot in a minute. See, God got a way of master planning this thing. So when that takes place, then it goes to another level. Exodus 8, verse 5. Exodus 8, verse 5 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Saying to Aaron, stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams and over the river and over the ponds and cause frog to come up upon the land of Israel. Well, that frog is what we call a marsh or a leaper in the swamp. Let me tell you something. When we are in the world, we're living in a swamp. And in that swamp, there are a lot of frogs or leapers. In other words, there are a lot of affections and emotions that gives us impulses to do the things that the world would have us to do. They're called leapers in the marsh. Now, you are, that's why David said, I think, in uh, Psalms uh, what is it, 40, verse 2, or somewhere along in there, I'm not quite for sure. But David said, look, he brought me up out of the miry clay. He brought me up out of the pit and out of the miry swamp. And he set my feet on a solid rock. Mm-hmm. And he established my goings. He couldn't do that until he brought him up out the pit where he can see, until he brought him up out of the world, out of the marsh, where those leapers, those frogs. But watch Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh crazy. He's absolutely out of his mind. Look at verse 7 in Exodus 8. Are you there? Who he called? Who? I can't hear y'all. Y'all talk like little babies up in here. Y'all grown or what? Who did he call? They still ain't got no strength. They sound weak. Did y'all eat this morning? Okay, then let me know you ain't then. Who did he call? All right, why you? Why I got to do that three times before y'all open y'all mouth? You open your mouth when you're arguing at each other. Ain't nobody got to rip you up to do that. You already ripped up. Why you can't get ripped up for God? What's wrong with you? Sitting there a million miles. And God don't want no million miles. We're supposed to be warriors. And the Lord put it back up there, son. Say that the, the magician. He called the magicians and the most sorcerers in verse 7 and 8. He called them magicians and them sorcerers. And look what they did. Now, you got frogs everywhere. But what they do? They bring some frogs too. Don't you have enough already? I want you to see how ignorant the world lives, and how ignorant the world has God's people. 
You already got frogs all up in your house. And instead of trying to get rid of the frogs, you bring in your sorcerers and your magicians and you say, you, you see if you can bring some more frogs. Well, I've been doggone. Didn't God put it up on you without you calling and putting, see, don't we put a lot on ourselves unnecessarily? Yeah. Amen. Am I in the house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs, brought them up upon the land of Egypt. <laughs> What's on the inside will come up and show on the outside. Frogs, march leapers. So, our God says, In verse 8. <laughs> and Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord. Now Pharaoh won't. <laughs> he won't Moses and Aaron to beg the Lord for him. That he may take away what? The frogs from me and my people. Well, wait a minute. You just brought a lot of them frogs on your own self. Now you want Moses and Aaron to plead for you. You ever had somebody, it just makes you sick sometimes. They're full of frogs and you try to tell them, but they won't listen. I've been there. And then after they go crazy and get towed off, then they come to you, pray for me. Pray that them frogs get off me. Huh? Y'all understand what I'm saying here, don't you? While the frog, while God was trying to tell them by bringing the frog, instead of us listening, what we do is we call our enchanters them things in the world and we bring more frogs on. Now we really tore up. Because them frogs nasty too. Now we want to ask somebody, I need for you to pray for me. And that's all right. We're going to pray for you. Hope somebody praying for me. But the, what, the point that I'm trying to make is we got to stop this. We got to stop this. At some point in time, God, if Pharaoh would act it right, would have stopped them plagues. But usually we don't stop until we have to. Come on, y'all. Usually we won't stop until something bad happens. It ought not be like that. It ought not be like that. Watch this. Verse 9. And Moses mm, said unto Pharaoh, Glory, glory over me. What do you mean by that? Is he's asking Pharaoh to show him favor. In other words, let my people go. Okay? He's asking, okay, I'll take these frogs up, but you got to show me some favor. Now watch this. When I shall entreat for thee, he said, now, I need you to show me some favor when I pray for you. And for thy servants and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only. Uh-huh. Old frogs still there now. But I want you to look. I told you Pharaoh was crazy. I told you he is out of his mind. I want you to look at verse 10. 
Exodus 8, verse 10. I want you to see how crazy this man is. I want you to see how crazy we are. Okay, he asked him now, when you want me to remove these frogs? Look what that crazy man said. Tomorrow. <laughs> think about this. Just think now. You got a house full of frogs, right? And your magician, you done did some old crazy stuff to even make it worse. And you done had the preacher pray for you. And the preacher come back and say, now when you want all this off you, and you say tomorrow. <laughs> You're out of your mind. Tomorrow, get them off me. That's what a rational person would say. But see, people in the world, when we're out there in the world, we're not rational, are we? Oh, come on, y'all can talk to me. Come talk to me. See, you, you, you be, <laughs> we be in pain, but we still be out there crazy. Uh-huh. Talk about our straightened up tomorrow. But I'm going through hell right now. They got sense enough to come up out of it. Mm-hmm. He said tomorrow, I told you, crazy. You'll have us crazy too. And my man told him, be it according to thy word, that thou may knowest that there is a none like unto the Lord our God. See, the only dangerous thing about <coughs> tomorrow, bringing them frogs, getting rid of them frogs tomorrow, is that tomorrow means your next season. We can't bring this hell into our next season, people. We got to let it go. But we're going to destroy what God has for us in our next season. We can't bring, we, we can't do that. God is asking us today, right now, when do you want me to remove the frogs out of your life? Are you going to say tomorrow? Or are you going to say today? Who's going to say tomorrow? Who don't want to turn loose yet? None of us going to be honest about that. Because we think we're going to be judged. But there's some things I don't want to turn loose yet that I want to bring across, but God is teaching me that I got to leave it alone. So I can be honest. See, I ain't, I ain't all that. I ain't like y'all. Sit there like you all that. I ain't like that. I ain't all that. I, 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 I'm just real about it. See, I, I, I tell you what. I don't want to be like you when I grow up because you tell lies. So I don't want to be like you. I want to be honest about the situation because that's the only way that God can help me. That's the only way that somebody that I don't even know can pray for me when I need prayer by knowing what I'm going through. Then knowing that ain't none of us there yet. Tomorrow, he said. Mm -hmm. Now, look at verse 16 and 17. See, we're talking about finding opportunity in opposition. In every opposition, see, that was an opportunity in every one of these situations. Now, watch this. In verse 16, he said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto him, shut your rod out, my brother, 
and smite the dust of the lamb we made out of the dust of the ground. God talking about putting something on us. Watch this. Right? That it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now these lice means I'm going to take away the support of man. When I put these lice on the land, I'm going to take away man's support. Does that look to you like the support of God is leaving this world? Am I the only one seeing that? Because now everything is right as wrong and wrong is right. I see them on Facebook and black kids acting crazy. Cop already crazy. So you're going to draw crazy out of crazy. Instead of you complying quickly. You're going to buck. Well, that's what they're waiting on. They're waiting on you to wiggle. Because when you wiggle, they're going to grab you tighter. But see, the thing about folk is folk don't want to admit the truth. Instead of telling them young like I do, you need to tell them to calm down. They get mad when you tell them that. You'll get mad at me, but you won't get mad at the police. You'll want to kill me, but you won't want to mess with that cop. People teach your children to comply or die. That's the slogan. Comply or die. Now you make the choice. I mean, that's straight truth. That ain't playing around. That ain't trying to be politically correct or religiously correct because I don't give or care about none of that. I just preach the word and go on about my business. Comply or die. Now tell your youngins that. Verse 17 said, and they did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and he smote the dust of the earth. And it became lice in man and in beast. All his support was gone. He couldn't stand up. His emotions, his affections, everything didn't have no support. And all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land. Uh huh. But they could not. Watch this. Verse 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantment. See, they would have brought more lice. Because here they are again, like a fool. Bring in the magicians. See if they can bring some more lice. Don't you have enough lice? Well, see, there's a point, people, that we get to where the magicians can't do what God do no more. You better hear me now. When they tried to bring forth the lice, they couldn't do it. See, God got a cutoff point for the devil. He can't go so far. <laughs> 
And when he can't go but so far, then the magicians, look what they say. This is the finger of God. Watch, it's in the Word. See, the devil knows when it's the finger of God. Mm-hmm. He knows. Verse 19 said, Then the magician said, huh, Well, first of all, and the, verse 18, And the magician did so, that's enchantments to bring forth light, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh, look what he did. Heart was hardened. And he hearkened not unto them at the Lord, at what the Lord had said. See, he's still bringing opposition. Even though his magician done ran out of authority and power, he still thinks he got some. So what does he do? He hardens his heart. See, the enemy, when we try to pull away from him, he brings forth opposition. But the opportunity that's in the opposition is designed to take us forward. But you've got to look at it from another angle than just opposition. You've got to see where God is in it, and you've got to see, well, what's my opportunity here? Because there's an opportunity here. You see, I'm learning a whole lot of stuff right now. I'm writing a new book, and it's a new strategy. Now, I don't know whether Brenda told you or not that, 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 that we, we're on iTunes and our popularity is filled, filled up completely. You know how many people are on iTunes? I looked it up. Over a billion people. <laughs> and our popularity is filled up. If we can just get, I've done a thing and said, if we can get 1%, that's 10 million views. 10 million. Free viewers. Because the podcasts are free. You see what I'm saying? Got to be smart, people. You either be smart or be broke. Who don't this stuff? I'm going to say it again. You can either be smart or you can be broke. Earl almost hit a thousand just on Facebook. Facebook is just chump change. We just do that because it's out, you know. Sometimes I've hit up to 5,000 on it. You know, they stop. They stop it when they do that. They're going to stop us again because we're growing in it again. But then we got iTunes. We got, we, we got All Nations TV. All Nations means this is what he said. All Nations. It comes on four times a, a, a week. Then we got God too. Then we got uh, YouTube. That's how my mind thinks. My mind is the world's stage mind. Ten million ain't enough. I want a billion. Yes, I want y'all to fill this up. Y'all do it. I'm going to fill the world up with this word. That's why them people back there and them cameras, that's why we got the best of cameras. We got the best of stuff back there where we can get that thing out. Where we can get it out. See, I invest in what I believe in. If, if I won't invest in it, why should somebody else invest in it? If I don't believe what I'm preaching, why should somebody else believe what I'm preaching? You tell me. 
You got to be able to see further. It's called vision. And that's why I'm the apostle. Because I see further. I know where this thing needs to go. And if I can't get it one way, I'll get it another way. Huh? Because of the opposition, I find an opportunity in it. And every time we come in here and, and, and there's opposition every week. In that media room, we're trying to get that thing and the opposition that comes forth, but it brings forth opportunity because what it does is it makes us learn more about it. It makes us troubleshoot about it. It makes us know more. And when you know more about the situation, you don't have to be worried about who come and who don't. Every opposition brings forth an opportunity. The more you know, the less dependent you are on others. God knows who he put in the driver's seat. He knows why. Go to Exodus 11, verse 1 and 2. Not there yet. It's too fast. I want to talk to you about these other. I'm going to name them all. These other plays. See, that was the third play. They couldn't go no further after that. Then came the flies. Then came the cattle plague. Then came the boils and the hails and the locusts and the darkness. Ooh, the darkness. Ah, oh, God brings the darkness right before. He gets ready to do his thing. The darkness was the ninth plague. Ain't but one more to go. So God brings darkness in our life. He brings opposition and obscurity. You ever been where you just couldn't see? It hurt, don't it? When you don't know which way to go. When you don't know how you're going to do it. And your faith don't feel like faith. And your belief don't feel like belief. And your God don't seem to be God. But you believe in anyway. And you're hoping anyway. <laughs> and you're trusting anyway. Because we know deep down that God is who he says he is. So here comes the darkness. The midnight hour. How many of y'all know? It's a new day. Right there on the cusp of the midnight hour. It's the darkest point before the light. He said, he brings in the ninth one. And then in the tenth, the firstborn is killed. Let's look at Exodus 11, 1 and 2. Exodus 11, 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, I'm going to bring one more plague on Pharaoh mm -hmm. and on Egypt. And afterwards, you can bet, he's going to let you go. See, God already knows this. 
when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out, hence, altogether. In other words, he's going to really want to get rid of you. See, when you put that thing on it, to come up out of that world, the thing that God puts on it, it don't ever want no more part of you. He say, speak when? Now. See, you got to speak now to that thing. Not tomorrow, like that fool said. When you want these things to be tomorrow. Because what you say out your mouth is probably what's going to happen, especially if you keep saying it. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue, or death and life. He said, speak now. Where? In the ears of who? The people. Are we not doing that now? And let every man borrow from his neighbor. That word neighbor there means reciprocal. That means that something's going to be reciprocated back to you. And, and, and Proverbs thirteen twenty one says that the wealth of the wicked or the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. See, there's going to be a transfer. And, and it's not all about money and it's not all about, but it's about spirituality. See, the world has taken away our spirituality. It has drained us of who we are in God. And God wants to give that back to us. He wants us to have that back. Because that's where we're going to find out where our identity is and who we are. So he says, now look here. He says, every woman, I want her to borrow from her neighbor. Jewels of silver, which represents enlightenment, and jewels of gold, which represent spiritual purity. See, God wants to enlighten us. God wants to give us that back. And not only does God want to give us that back, but God wants to purify our souls too. That's why he said what he said. I'm going to do a reciprocation here. Go get it back. Your neighbor, in this case, is the world. It's the enemy. He said, go get it back. Go get it back. Because what I done put on them, see, they're going to be willing to give it to you. You know. Now, he had already prophesied this. Go over here to Exodus 3, verse 21 and 22. I'm going to show you something. How God already know what he what he talking about. In three twenty one and twenty two, this is what God said, and I will give this people favor where in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you're not going to go empty. You see, he's he's doing a prophecy here now. See, we're over here in verse 11, but now this is over here in verse 3, right? But every woman, look at that. But every woman shall borrow from her neighbor. That's why you can trust God's word. And of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels and silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And she shall put them upon your sons, the builders in you, see, and your daughters, those are the builders. And ye shall spoil the Egyptians, in other words, you, you, what the world untook from you, God say, you're you going to take it back. Because I don't already prophesied it. And then over here in verse 11, uh, uh, it comes to pass. Now look at verse 11, verse 3. Exodus 11, verse 3. It says, and the Lord gave the people favor. That's the same thing he said that he was going to give them over here in chapter 3. And the Lord gave them favor in the sight of who? Your enemy. 
Did Jesus? Mm-hmm. We're almost done. Last verses. Exodus 12. Mm-hmm. Exodus 12, verse 29 through 32. Amen? Are you there? Watch this. And it came to pass that at when? Midnight. What did God do? That means kill. Not some of the firstborn, but all of them. Uh-huh. Well, everywhere. Of the cattle, those in the dungeon. He, all that's going on inside of you people. He killed the firstborn of Egypt. Let me ask you a question. You want to answer it? Ask it to yourself, please. Huh? What's the strongest thing in you that you can't turn loose right now? Don't you answer it? You ask yourself that. Be honest with yourself. That's the firstborn. That's the firstborn thing of the world. The thing that's strongest in you that you don't want to turn loose. We all got something. That's the firstborn. God got to keep bringing in the plagues, the hardships, the opposition, until we get to the point where we allow him to kill that. Once that's killed, look what it says now. Not only am I going to kill it, but I'm going to kill the firstborn of Pharaoh. That's that stronghold in you. But not only that, I'm going to kill them things down in the dungeon in you too. You know now, you know them things down off in there. Don't you dare say nothing about that except to God. Because we're all nasty. <laughs> say what? Come on. Come on. We're going to tell the truth up in here. We, we, you ain't gonna come up in here looking like you all that. Ain't nobody nothing up in here without Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we don't play church. No, not up in here we don't. We don't play church. Just to get you to come back. Now, if you come back, you're gonna come back because you want to hear the truth. Because we don't tell lies up in here and we don't entertain. So if you're looking for entertainment, you, you go to one of them clubs they call the churches. Down the street. Go to the clubhouse. Yeah. I know a few you can go to. If you want to go, I'll give you the address. But you won't never be able to catch the preacher. Because they don't answer the phone when you need them. Because they don't care about you. I told me one off this morning. You need to tell your daddy he's supposed to be a preacher. They get that old fish hat on called the bishop or whatever. And then they get the high head. Huh? I don't care nothing about that. You you might have so many on site, but we got millions of them off site. See, 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 God got a way, people. He don't work the same way with every ministry. <laughs> We're not a facsimile. This ain't no copy. <laughs> this is original. <laughs> a facsimile. Oh, we gonna do it like those? No, you're not. What you gonna do is you're gonna get right out that door. 
Because we're going to do this thing like God say do it up here. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Let me anoint myself and get that devil back. Ah. <laughs> hey. So God's a good God. He said, now, nah, I, I, I got favor on you, son. He said, now, nah, it's midnight, 29. And he said, I'm killing everything that's the firstborn. And in verse 30, that old Pharaoh rose up in the night. Uh-huh. And all the servants and all the Egypt, the Egyptians, and they were crying. There was a great wailing in the land. For there was not a house where there was not one dead. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Did God say I'm going to punish the world for its evil? Did you see that in that first scripture that we said? Well, it sounded to me like God is fulfilling what he said before he even said it to Isaiah. It seemed to me like he putting a whooping on somebody. And verse 31 said, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night. God done told him, now, when, when I do this now, he's going to be ready to get rid of you real quick. He said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, you go and you serve the Lord, as you say. And I want you to take your flocks and your herds, that's all your spiritual belongings, as you have said. And I want you to be gone. But look at what that clown says at the end. <laughs> Put it back up there, please. Look at that idiot. Did I tell you Pharaoh's a fool? Now, all through the game, Pharaoh been doing some crazy stuff. He been bringing more plague on him, plague already on him. He time and time again, he bringing more plagues on him until he get to the point where he can't bring no more. Then he said, now, what I need you to do, I need you to show, show a miracle for you. And then he goes on, now he's saying, now he done got that tail toe up. And he said, now, when you go, bless me also. <laughs> I want you to think how crazy that is. He said, I want you to bless me also. After he done sent you through all. Boy, that's why we need agape love. Understand? But, did, but do y'all know that word bless right there? Have y'all ever looked up the original meaning of that word? See, let me tell you something. That word bless right there. It don't mean, just mean to show favor. That word means to curse you too. Do you not know when somebody say God bless you, they could be cursing you? That word is a dangerous word right there. So he said, and bless me also? Yeah, they blessed him. So when he come to his senses, and I'm closing, and he looks around, and he said, Lord, what have I done? He talking to his God, Ibis, the bull. Same one they played with out there. See, because that's what they did now. They got rich, they left, then they gave right back to the world because that's all they knew. First thing they did, when the leader gone, they went back to playing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but he looks around and he sees, man, I done let all my... 
How they going to work? I ain't got nobody to do no work. These Egyptians show nothing going to work. <laughs> I don't let everything go. Get my army ready. Now, one last showdown. One last showdown, y'all. There's going to be a baptism. Oh, boy. So here he goes. He gets his army together. And he pursues God's people. Us. See, the devil, once you get from the world, he wants you back. So he gathers. He meets him down by the Red Sea. And it's dark. It's dark because God got that thing behind Israel. The cloud that he's in. And he makes it dark where they can't see. Uh Where they won't know what's going on up front. Moses stretches forth his rod. And they're walking through. Did God reverse that and let them see what's going on? And they think they can do it. So they say, if Israel can do it, we can go through there too. That's a trick. That's supposed to be a baptism. He gets them in there where they can't get out. And then he closed the door. He closed the door. He said, these Egyptians that's been bothering you after the day, you won't see them no more. See, there's going to come a time, and the time is now, that them Egyptians that's been trailing us and trampling over us, we ain't going to see them no more. Because God is going to do a baptism in this earth that's going to punish the evil and the arrogant and the proud, and all y'all preachers that you can't get you by phone when your people need you, you too. And there's going to be a cleansing. There's going to be a cleansing, y'all. God has the lake of fire still burning out there in Hawaii, showing everybody there's going to be a cleansing. A blind man can see that that's a lack of fire. That's the center of the earth. It's nothing but a lake. Fire. It's got a core, and then it's got that fire around it, that lake. And people think they're going to have to go out down there. No, no, no. No, we're going to tear you up right where you are. No, you ain't got to go there. We're walking on it. It's here too. We're walking on it. When God gets ready to release it, it's going to be everywhere. Because the Bible says he's going to burn up the heaven and the earth. And going to bring you in a new one. Now, that's word. No, he's just showing you there. But you walking on it, bro. Every day. The only thing holding it back is God's Holy Spirit. But when God takes that thing up out of here, the world is going to be in trouble. Amen? Give God some praise up in this house. Hey, girl.